We're concluding our series on reporting for duty. We've been re, uh, resetting ourselves. We've been uh, re, uh, baptizing ourselves. We've been repenting. We've been getting ourselves back, putting God first place. But we also have to report. Once God has spoken to us specifically, we have to get back to building His kingdom and advancing His church. Can you say amen this morning? I want to welcome every first time visitor with us today on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Cape Town North as well, the great church of Cape Town North, right there in Cape Town as well this morning. Come on, put your hands together, family, and welcome every single person who's visiting us for the first time today. Great to have you in the house of God. Come on, no, make them feel special this morning. Welcome them this morning all over this place. As I said, we're going to continue our series this morning, reporting for duty. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. We've been looking at the last few weeks. If you uh, haven't been here, get a copy of the messages speaking about working hard like a, like a farmer this morning. But Paul is writing to Timothy, and this man is going through a bit of a crisis, going through a bit of a battle, because uh, Nero, the ruler of Rome, has put a decree out to lock down the churches. Timothy is going through a mental battle. Timothy is going through a personal battle. Timothy is going through a faith crisis. Timothy is going through many things. Paul gets to hear of it, a general in the faith. He gets to hear of this young man's battle. Like every young man has a battle. You, if you've got a battle this morning, most likely, if you haven't got one, then you most likely aren't alive today. But we normally have battles because in this world you will be challenged. You'll have trials, you'll have tribulations. But the Bible says, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And so we see this young man is going through a faith crisis. Like everybody will go through some battle at some stage in their life. Could be a physical battle. Could be a, a health battle. Could be a financial battle. Could be a relationship battle. Whatever it is. It's just you'll go through battles. And Paul writes to this young man and he says to him, first week we had a look at fighting like a soldier. So he says fight like a soldier. Not a physical soldier. But you have to have the attributes, the characteristics of learning to fight like a soldier. You have, if you enlist yourself in the army of God, you have to learn to endure hardships, he says. Then we had a look at training like an athlete. He said, if you want to train like an athlete, you have to compete according to the rules. The kingdom has certain rules. You can't change the rules to suit your circumstances. Sometimes we want to change the rules to suit our circumstances. But the Bible is very clear that we have to compete according to the rules if we want to gain the prize. So we forget the things which are behind, says Paul in Philippians. And he says, we press and we lean. We grab hold of everything that is ahead. Why? For the upward call of Jesus Christ to gain the prize. So there is a great prize at the end of your labor. There is a great prize at the end of your faith. There is heaven to gain. Amen. But whilst that day tarries, we have to walk by faith. Can you say amen? So we can't be swayed by the circumstances or the situations uh, of the day, although we will go through certain battles at times. Then he says what? He says, then he says, work hard like a farmer. So he says, a hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crop. So I think Timothy must have been quite confused initially when Paul writes a letter to him and challenges him to imitate three different characters in three sentences. I mean, think about that. You're going through a battle and your leader tells you to fight like a soldier, to train like an athlete and to work hard like a farmer. That's maybe the last thing he wanted to hear. But Paul knew exactly what it was like, amen, to fight like a soldier. Paul knew exactly what it was like to, to, to train like an athlete. And Paul knew exactly what it was like to work hard like a farmer. That's why sometimes you have to look at somebody that is ahead of you. I spoke to us a few weeks ago about teaching a young generation to learn to respect an older generation. Because we've got a very entitled or a very opinionated or a very informed young generation through information on the internet. And that's not your fault. But the fact of the matter is that you're only going to get some, some experience in life when you go through some battles and you come out the other side victorious. 
That is why many people, you look at somebody, they might not be technologically as switched on as you, but they've got some substance because they've been through some battles in their life. And sometimes we don't like battles. We want to try and remove all the battles. Or we think God has turned his back on us. We think God is against us when we go through various trials and tribulations. But the Bible said it is the testing of your faith that will produce what? Substance in you. It is the testing of your faith. It's coming through that trial. It's walking through the valley, valley of the shadow of death. King David said what? He said, yea, though I walk through the valley. I don't sit in the valley, but I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So sometimes when you're going through a battle, Timothy is going through a battle in his faith. He's going through a faith crisis. But at the time of going through a faith crisis, you can sometimes want to sit down. You can sometimes want to walk away. You can sometimes want to quit. You can sometimes want to play the blame game or become a victim in your own mind. You blame everybody else except actually what? Learn to fight like a soldier. Learn to train like an athlete. Learn to what? To work hard like a farmer. Can you say amen this morning? So if you want to do anything significant in your life, learning to endure hardship is one of the attributes you'll need. Learning to compete according to the rules as an athlete is another characteristic you're going to have to learn to have. And working hard like a farmer is another. So to build anything, establish anything, or achieve anything will require hard work. Say hard work. We know that the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. And the only job that you get to start at the top is grave digging. Amen. Of all the other jobs, you start at the bottom. But the only job where you get to start at the top is when you dig a grave. That's about the only time you get to start at the top. If you want to start out in life or build something significant in life, the way to the top is to start from the bottom. And we don't like that because we watch all these social media influences. Well, I see this guy, he's 22 or 23 and he's making $10 million a month. He's a social media influencer. But he's 23, 24, 25. Doesn't take away the fact that he might be doing something great now in his life. But let's see if the brother or the sister is still around when they're 60. Let's see when they're still around when they're 80 or 90. Let's see if they can endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we have to raise up a young generation in the church today that I really believe has to learn to get some grit. Amen. Has to learn to get some stickability. We can't just walk away when things get tough. Can you say amen this morning? So Paul is encouraging Timothy not to stop working hard because of disappointment and rejection. Isn't that what often happens after disappointment? People so often go into hiding or into shutdown mode. We want to run away, jump, jump uh, into a hole and cover ourselves up when we go through certain battles and trials and tribulations. I've been just been listening to a few things this last week and again, looking at the impact of social media in our world, looking at the, the perceived perfection of someone else's life and what it does to a person's psyche when you look at someone else's world from a perceived uh, perfection. When you look at someone else's photograph that has been filtered, that has been shot with a, with a ring light and a camera and an angle and been edited and put a nice filter across and they put their best foot forward. And when you look at that picture and you look at that too long and you start to look at the comparison of somebody else's life, it can very quickly lead to depression. And but we're seeing a, a massive increase in depression and suicide around the world in a young generation. Not because they are a bad generation, because they are so stuck in comparing themselves on social media. And I say this to us all the time. Although we all are part of this modern world, we have to learn to put boundaries in place. Otherwise, you are going to walk this constant life of comparison or feeling inadequate about yourself. And sometimes when you're going through a battle, like, like Timothy was going through a battle, he needed perspective from someone who's been through a battle. 
So if you're going through a battle this morning, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you. Don't close yourself or isolate yourself or separate yourself or fall into a hole. But speak to somebody who's been through a battle. Speak to somebody who can help you walk through that valley. Why? Because on the other side, when you come through the other side, you're going to see the whole, your world from a different perspective. Because your greatest days are still ahead of you. Can you say amen? That's not just a cliche. Your greatest days are still ahead of you. For I know the plans I think towards you, says the Lord. But the thief comes only but to steal, kill and destroy. So if the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, do you think he'll stop trying to steal, kill, and destroy from your life in 2022? No. He's going to try and stop you from entering the breakthrough that God has for you. But if you don't learn to fight like a soldier, if you don't learn what it is like to train hard like an athlete, why? So you can gain the prize of eternal victory. So when we stand before God one day, before Jesus our Lord and Savior, He can look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the tough times. You were faithful in the good times. Look, take now for yourself 10 cities. You were faithful in the city of Cape Town. Now I'm going to give you eternal cities in the heavens for you to manage and you to look after. Because I tested your faith at times. When we want to write and go to a higher graded school, we have to know that we're going through a test. Sometimes we, we can't demand to go to the next grade just because we attended school. We have to come to the end of that grade and write an exam. Write a test. And that's why it becomes your testimony. Now we say that so easily. But when we're in a test sometimes. And we have this modern world of cancel culture. If someone has done something wrong or we don't agree. We just instantly cancel them. We unfollow them. We dislike them. We have an opinion about it. Without considering the the impact of our words over people's lives. Because your words carry power. Amen. Be slow to comment on something you have no context about. Can you say amen? Be slow to comment on someone's battle. You do not know what that person is going through. You do not know the background of that person's life. You do not know what that person has had to endure. You do not know where that person is right now. Just stay in your lane and stay focused on the plans and the vision God has placed in your life and stop looking at everyone else's life. Can you say amen this morning? So he writes in the original King James, the original King James, the verse 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 6, the Bible says the husbandman, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. So that Greek word for laboreth is kupai, which means growing weary to the point of exhaustion. So often our natural labors or our best attempts can leave you tired and weary to the point of exhaustion. When we work in the natural, you might be sitting here this morning saying, Pastor, that's what I'm going through right now. COVID has been brutal on me in the last two and odd years. I've been going through personal battles. I haven't recovered everything that I wanted to recover. I've lost ground in so many ways. And Paul writes this. He knows that Timothy is going through a battle. But that word kopai that he uses there is to labor to the point of exhaustion. And don't think that Paul wasn't tired at times. If you read what Paul went through in his, in his Christian walk, if you look what Paul had to endure to write the, 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 the letters he wrote. We preach today about a man's life 2,000 odd years after his death. But we read all the things that inspires us because this man had to fight the good fight of faith. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through today, know this, amen, that God has got what? Your back. God has got your future in mind. But if you're going to quit on yourself this morning, if you're going to walk away this week coming up from the battles that you have to face, as tough as what they are, you are not going to see that prize that God has in store for you, amen. So you have to endure hardship like a good soldier. So Paul knew what? He knew that 
this man was most like this young man was most likely going through a battle in his mind to the point of exhaustion through worry and stress and uncertainty perhaps you are there this morning like i said and you can relate to what timothy was experiencing or perhaps you might be saying to me today if paul was speaking to you today you might reply to paul on a whatsapp and say hey paul Thanks for telling me to work hard, but I mean, that's all I've been doing for the last two years. And I'm not seeing breakthrough in my life. I'm not seeing God come through for me. But I want to say to us this morning that there are two kinds of labor when you speak about laboring for Christ or laboring in the natural, laboring in life. Paul uses the word laboreth. And he says there is a kind of labor that will lead to the point of exhaustion. But then there is a kind of labor that will lead to the point of breakthrough. And we have to know the difference between the two labors. And he says to Paul, he said to Timothy, he says, you're laboring hard like a farmer, but you're laboring in the, with a labor that is going to lead to exhaustion. You have to learn how to labor, amen, with the rhythms of grace, of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Can you say amen? So there is a labor of the flesh outside of God's grace. And then there is a labor of the spirit with or inside the grace of God. Galatians 3 verse 3, the Bible says, are you so foolish? Speaking to the church in Galatia. He says, having begun in the spirit and are now being made perfect in the flesh. He says, you were in the flesh before. You were born again. You were saved from your flesh, from that old nature. And you started to serve Christ in the power of the spirit. But now you want to gravitate. You want to try and sort out your problem. You want to try and lead your life in the perfection of the flesh. And we know the flesh profits nothing. Jesus told us that in John 6.63. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I'm sure you would have noticed this weekend of a few prominent sportsmen around the world that suddenly died. And you think to yourself, well, that's quite sad to hear of a man dying in the natural. But that's the reality of all of our lives. And when someone prominent dies, why is it more important than someone that we don't know? Because the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. The God gives you the, the, this bodily, this, out, this outer shell to labor for his kingdom for a certain amount of years. But then this flesh will go back to the box. It'll go back to, the, to a hole. It'll become ash. It'll become dust again. But you have got the privilege of being able to use this temple to glorify God in your life. You've got the privilege to use your temple to advance the cause of Christ in your life. You've got the privilege to the, when the brain inside of your head to advance, to build a business, to raise a family family to buy a house do whatever to build the church but the flesh profits nothing amen now please go to gym and uh, 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 bite on your jawline when you when you look at yourself in the mirror when you pick up the weight and grunt at the mirror in the gym i'm all for that amen look after your flesh uh, look after your physique make sure that you are you eat healthy but the flesh ultimately profits nothing amen it'll all go back to the hole to the grave we're all going to have a funeral service one day like the, the funeral services you've attended one to, for other family members. And although that might seem like it's, it's in an eternity, we do not know. The Bible says we've got no guarantee of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. But that's why while we are alive, we have to make a decision. I'm not going to be here forever. But if I focus everything on the flesh, if I focus everything on my personal battle, I want to sit down and quit. And Paul writes from prison and he says to this young protege, he says, Hey, I've been through many more battles than you, but you've got this responsibility right now. You've got a call upon your life. You have an anointing upon your life. 
You've got to make sure that you endure this hardship like a good soldier. You have to learn to train hard like an athlete. And you have to learn to work hard like a farmer. Don't stop working hard because you are going through battles. He says you have to keep getting up in the morning, looking at yourself in the mirror, comb your hair, brush your teeth, shave your beard, or put your makeup on, get dressed, get in your car, drive to work, get to work, put one foot in front of the other, and you walk by faith. And as you walk by faith, you will what? Eat of the first fruits of your crops. You will see great breakthrough. You will see in one moment, God will give you a breakthrough. There where there was resistance, now there will be breakthrough. There, there was, where there was a tears, now there will be joy. Why? Because that is the God that we serve. Come on, jump up on your feet this morning. Give Jesus a great big shout of praise all over this place. Come on, Cape Town North. We serve a good God this morning. You are not going to quit on yourself. You are going to work hard like a farmer. Amen. I grew up on my grandfather. Well, I grew up in a city, but my grandfather had a farm. And we went to the farm most holidays. Four holidays a year we were on the farm. December holiday, six weeks, I was on the farm. So I know what a farmer goes through to make a farm work. And we were taught. Four o'clock in the morning, we had to get, had to get out of bed. We used to have turns, my siblings and I. So one day you're on duty, then you help my grandfather start the fire. We have to go and chop wood. We have to go and put the, the, the pump on for the water to come out the river because there's no natural water. We have to pump it out the river. We have to make sure the, the water tanks are full. We have to, we have to uh, put, fetch coal for the coal stove. We have to go and fetch milk at 4.30 in the morning from the neighbor's house, the milk farmer. We had an old, uh, and if those of you that are, are older than me will know, maybe a DKW was a motorbike that you used to start with you and you pedal it you get on the motorbike you pedal it like a bicycle and then the, and the motorbike starts and you, you you ride my grandfather built us a, a a stand on the back of the motorbike and we'd have turns winter summer 4 30 in the morning off you go to the neighbor's farm our neighbor's farm was um and um was the milk farmer so we go and fetch milk from um and when we get there he's already up for two hours in the morning because he's got to, he's got to work his farm a farmer is not a lazy man a farmer is a person who gets up early in the morning and has to go to bed early at night. Why? Because he's getting up early in the morning. So sometimes we wonder why we're exhausted. It's because we were watching Netflix until 12.30 at night. We're sitting with our phones on, on ourselves and we're saying, Akas much, but go to bed early. If you just get to bed a bit earlier, go to bed at 9 o'clock. Amen. Pastor, that's impossible. I know. I'm not saying you must become old. I'm saying you have to learn if you have to get up early in the morning to work hard. Go to bed early. Get some rest. Amen. Put your phone off. Don't lie and watch your phone in bed. Get, get to sleep. Why? Because tomorrow morning I've got to work hard like a farmer. I've got, to, I've got to rob the beehive. I've got to milk the cow. I've got to work the fields. I've got to go and work. Amen. We're a young generation. Amen. I think about getting up maybe when I've watched my social media a little bouquet there in the morning and I've got more depressed from yesterday because I see my friend has now got a, uh, another dress or another car or another something or another boyfriend and I'm still single and I'm feeling more depressed. Stop it. Amen. So what do I have to do? I have to counter. So that I plan my whole morning on just getting dressed for my, for my little Instagram post. Now I start putting makeup on and trying to impress people that don't even know me. Amen. Stop it. I tell the girls all the time on social media, stop showing us your flesh on social media. Leave it for your husband. Leave your flesh for your husband one day. We don't want to see your flesh. It's reserved for your husband. Amen. Put your clothes on on social media. Amen. If you want to show us something, show us your pretty face maybe. That's about it. We don't want to see anything else. Why? Because it's reserved for your husband one day. It's, for, it's reserved for the intimacy of marriage. 
That's what that's what what intimacy is. Intimacy is what it's when when two people that are single become one, and it's intimacy. So we allow somebody to see into our personal space. But if you put yourself on social media, and you and you you set yourself up for abuse from somebody who doesn't even uh, know you or somebody who doesn't care about what they say about you, that's called self-inflicted persecution. And I want to encourage you this morning. Make sure that you put boundaries in place. If you're a parent and you see your child putting something silly on social media, make them take it off. Be the parent of the house. Tell your child to take that nonsense off. Why? Because you're trying to save your child's mind from unfair persecution. And I'm not trying to be legalistic this morning. I'm not trying to be judgmental this morning. But really, if you are 22 or 23 and you're giving a morning motivation, rather keep quiet because you've got nothing much to say at 22. Amen. Leave it for the 50 plus years. We'll put the morning motivation out. Amen. All you must do is get to work on time and work hard like a farmer. And when you are 40 or 50, we'll start to give you a little bit of an audience. Amen. And when you are 60, now we'll start to listen. Amen. I mean, most of the presidents around the world these days are 70, 60, 60 plus, 70, 80 years old. Why? Because you've re- you reached the prime of your life. I read an article the other day. They say the most impactful time of your life only starts at 50. From 60 on is when you really are the, 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 you have the opportunity to become the most impactful in life. And 70 plus, now you're in your prime. But what do we do? We put them on pension, early pension, 55. Let them go sit at home in an old age home at 55. What is that? I'm not retiring. I'm telling you right now. I told my kids, you're not sending me to no old age home. Amen. I'm going to work until I'm 90, until I fall over in the pulpit. Why? Because I've got something to tell you. I've got something to say. I've, I haven't lived my whole life just to be put into old age home. I guarantee you that. So why do we think? You might know something. I don't say you shouldn't motivate people or encourage people, but really, you really don't have to try to impress us with your morning motivation at 22. Uh, I mean, we just, we just, we just, just, just go work. And when you've built something, when you've bought your first house and you've bought your first car and you've paid for it yourself and you've, you've able to pay off your first television and you're able to buy your first lounge suite and you're able to, to put your kids through school and you're able to uh, build a business and you're able to pay a salary, whatever it is that you have to do. When you start to get some of those credentials in your life, now we can start listening to you amen but while you're driving your mother's car and using your mother's credit card or your father's bmw to impress us with your morning motivation buy your own bmw first can you say amen this morning but pastor no but god can you say amen so there is a place of surrender that we have to get to because that's why the bible says when when paul was when timothy was tired paul said to him hey he says when you reach the end of yourself timothy that's when you arrive at the beginning of god so when you reach the end of yourself, laboring in your own flesh, laboring in your own ability to try and make a success of life, and you realize that when you, when you reach the place that you think you need to reach, they've just moved the bar a little bit further down the road. You'll never reach the place where society wants you to reach because they keep changing the rules. And so when you reach the end of yourself, you arrive at the beginning of God. So there is a place of surrender in Christ we have to get to first so that your hard work can be, be assisted by God's good work. So your hard work has to be assisted by God's good work. Philippians 1 verse 6, he says what? Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes from heaven to earth, sacrifices his life so that we can be in right standing with God. We then believe in his sacrifice on Calvary. And the Bible says what? He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He then begins a good work of the Spirit inside of us. So when we surrender, we also enter the place of rest in Him. 
Because that's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. There's a place you have to enter, Timothy. Even though you are going through a natural, mental, or a physical battle, you can still be in that battle, but be in rest. Why? Because your trust is not in your flesh. Your trust is not in your solution. Your trust is in Jesus Christ and His kingdom and His promises. Amen. And that's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to get to that place. Because we do live in this natural world. We worry about what we're going to eat or drink or wear or put on. But the fact of the matter is what? Is that you have to learn to enter the place of rest in the midst of the fiery darts that the enemy is throwing at you. Amen. That's called maturing in your faith. So Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus speaking. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So religion and sin will wear you out. Jesus says so. He says religion. It becomes complicated when you try to serve God in religion. All the rules, all the regulations. I get a lot of the last maybe two weeks, people have called me and asked me advice on certain things. I had a, another pastor in another church in one of our COC churches phoned me in the week to ask me advice on certain elements of, you know, they've got this situation in their church. And another person phoned me and said, we've got, we've got this situation of, of faith. And people wrestle with this doctrine of, of, of Jesus and grace and, and, and mercy and goodness and forgiveness and justification and, and, and sanctification. And, and people wrestle with this, you know, if I do something wrong, is God going to turn his back on me? You know, he loves me today. He doesn't love me tomorrow. He loves me not. He loves me. It's like this. They go through this yo-yo walk of faith like always in this faith crisis almost and it's not wrong to to work out your salvation but i want to assure you this morning i want to assure you today that the bible says jesus will never leave you nor forsake you we don't serve a god of the swivel chair we don't come to god boldly today and he's not there or he's turned his back on you because you've done something wrong the bible said what if you are faithless he will remain faithful why because he loved you so much for god loved the world so much that he sent us jesus that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life so you might go through a faith crisis you might commit sin you might even be doing habitual sin and you're a born again christian you're saying pastor i'm so sick and tired of this habitual sin hey i tell you right now you look to jesus you go back to the word you stay in church we will not kick you out of the church if you are a sinner if you choose to walk away from the church that's a different story but we will not kick you out of the church i don't care what you've done what you think you've done or how bad you think it is i want to tell you today jesus will never turn his back on you amen why because he loved you so much and the bible says the minute you you go through this faith crisis where you think that can i lose my salvation if i if i commit sin well the bible says then the blood of jesus was in vain the sacrifice on christ for of christ on calvary was in vain god's not going to send jesus down every monday for you to re-crucify him because you think you're unworthy where do we get that i mean i tell you all the time i've got three kids and they're Jeffreys right now. But when they commit sin, they're just sinning Jeffreys. They don't become the toys, which is my wife's maiden name. That's why we saved them from that surname. Amen. All the toys are like, huh? Okay, But why do we think that when we sin, and I'm their father, and God is our father, why do we think we lose our surname? Why do we think we become something else? Why do you think we have to reapply at 
the Department of, of, of Home Affairs for a new passport to come back into the house. Why? Who's telling you that? What doctrine were you raised up under? I want to correct that this morning. And I want to say to you that God loves you. That God saved you. That when you, to as much as received Him, He gave them the right to become the children of God. So God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. So my children sin. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed at times. I'm angry at times when they're younger. They break your things, whatever. So God sometimes might be disappointed. God sometimes might be angry. Any natural father's got the right to be disappointed and angry. But that doesn't change the fact that God is a good God. I mean, my greatest thrill in life is to bless my children. My greatest thrill in life is to see my children blessed. My greatest thrill in life is to, well, sometimes we have an argument when I get to the fridge and my food's gone because they ate it. But that's fine. I'll buy some more. But my children don't come groveling to me every Monday or on a, on a, on a, on a, at night. I see them coming low and bowed low. And they, they're doing leopard crawl towards the, 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 the kitchen. I say, what are you doing? Oh, fathereth in the loungeeth, watching TVeth. May I please haveth some coffeeeth in the kettleeth. I just go, make me some tea while you're about it. Thanks. But it's like, we, why do we think we have to serve God like that? Why must we always grovel to come to God? Why must he always grovel when Jesus was, when he, when he, was, when he, was, when he rose from the dead, he, he walked on the road to Emmaus, he walked uh, down the road and his disciples walked next to him and he spoke to them like friends. The Bible said, Abram believed God and was accounted him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So though I'm, I'm not buddies with my kids, but I'm friendly with them. But nothing's nicer for me to sit around a table and have a meal with my family or my kids. Why? Because that's what God wants to do. It's the table of, of communion. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So my enemies are over there criticize me, but we're having a nice meal over here. Why? Because God is for me. Amen. God is not against you. Amen. And I want to help you this morning because I see some people have this faith crisis. Pastor, this person in our church, they believe this. They, they live this certain kind of lifestyle. What do you say about that, Pastor? So I said, well, let's shine a light on your lifestyle. Let's start there. I'm sure we're going to find some gremlins in your cupboard. I'm sure we're going to find some weaknesses in your flesh. So when we start to play the sin game, or we start to categorize sin, then we start to play the law game. And you can't categorize sin. You can't say, well, I believe, because then you become self-righteous. And self-righteousness is where you determine a person's uh, ability to be forgiven for sin. That's self-righteousness. Where you believe. That's why we have the sickness of this cancel culture in our world today. Where somebody can cancel somebody because in that particular uh, post or that particular viewpoint, I'm not guilty, so therefore I have the right to cancel you or judge you. I can, I can determine the level of forgiveness that is, that is applicable to you. Now you just become self-righteous. But the Bible says we're not, self-righteousness is an abomination to God. Because we have got no right to cancel a human being. Because God loves every single human being equally. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what they do. I don't care how they live. If we don't give a human being the chance to sit under the word of God in a church and be washed by the word, what kind of church have we got? But pastor, no, we're not playing the billy goat Christian self-righteous. Since when have you been appointed as the the self-righteous judge of human beings? Since when? And we must stop this in, in, in society. And I try to help people. Why? Because all of us sinned and all of us fall short of the grace of God. Every single human being. So Paul says, if you want to play the law game of trying to serve God, if you want to play the law game of getting back to God, he says, you've never left God. So sin, yes, separates. Sure, Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he says, what? He says, now I give you the right, what? To become the children of God. So my sin, my kids' sin will disappoint me at times, but it will never separate me from them. Because I knew them in their mother's womb. 
I mean, actually, I formed them through God. But I saw this owner. I fell in love with a picture. Today, these days, it's a 4D. They almost brain tongues and have a degree by the time they come out. In my days, it was guess the sex. You understand? We had a blue room and they come out and they're girls. Sorry, you know, have a backup plan for a pink room because we weren't too sure what it even was. But I say this to us this morning because I, I see around the world this, this constant uh, self-condemnation. Because we live in this world of comparison. And I say this publicly because I realize the suicide rate is climbing up so high because that means people get to a point where they don't believe they can forgive themselves or they don't believe God can forgive them. And someone is lying to you. And the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you do not know that you can never be separated from the love of God, nothing, no thing, nothing, Listen to me, no thing, no thing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. But pastor, I don't care, don't believe, go Christian me. But pastor, no, no thing can separate you from the love of God. What you have to learn to do is to forgive yourself. What you have to learn to do is forget which is behind and press and lean to what is ahead. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. And I know sometimes I get people that inbox me. Pastor, you say this from the pulpit, but why are you so angry that God will not will love us permanently? Why? why? Why are you so cross? Maybe your natural father never loved you. I understand that. But our reference point sometimes of God is it's warped. God doesn't play, He loves me, He loves me not. He loves me, He loves me not. God doesn't do that. God loves you. Settle it. God needs you. Settle it. God formed you. Settle it. God believes in you. Settle it. God has chosen you settle it God has called you settle it God has appointed you settle it God has put you into a life of purpose settle it work out your salvation work it out don't don't turn your back on your salvation work it out but you walk it out how by faith one foot in front of the other can you say amen this morning so in closing today religion and sin will wear you out are you tired are you burned out are you worn out that's where everyone will reach a crossroad of choice. That is where you will arrive. Every one of us has got a crossroads, a choice. I might be sounding like a broken record. You're hammering this topic of suicide or hammering this topic, but I see it's an epidemic. It's a pandemic. We thought that COVID was a pandemic, but there is a new pandemic on the planet. Amen. And this new pandemic is what? Is suicide and self-condemnation. It's a pandemic that's on the world. Why? Because we, we're watching social media every 32 seconds. If you spend the amount of time in the Bible is what you spend on social media, you'll have an anchor for your soul. The Bible says the Word of God is an anchor for your soul. That's why when many people, when they become confused or they become uh, downcast in themselves, it's because there's nothing to, to anchor them. The Bible says the Word of God is an anchor to your soul. That means when you're going through a, a storm, a rocky patch, but you've been reading your Bible, the Bible says what? That no matter what the, what the enemy throws at you, you're going to have an anchor for your soul. Are you here this morning? We need to have a generation that loves the Word of God. So the Bible says what? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. So there's the crossroads. Many people want to labor in their flesh. Many people want to labor in their own ability. And sure, we have to work hard in our natural ability, but we have to work hard in partnership with the power of God in us. There's a, there's a part that God wants to do, play and do through you, and there's a part that you have to do. Your temple is your temple. 
But you have to submit that temple, surrender that temple to Him and receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside your temple. So that what? That the wisdom of heaven, the plans of God can start to permeate your being, your mind, and He can start to lead you on the path He has for you. So weariness comes from not knowing what to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you how. Weariness comes from when you do not know how. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how, what the next decision is. I'm not sure what I must do in this situation. I'm not sure what I must do in my business or in my marriage or with my kids or with my future. I'm not sure. That's every human being faces decisions and choices. But the Bible says what? He says, I will show you how to take a real rest. He says what? Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. How does, how does God do it? Through His Son, Jesus. How does Jesus do it? Read your Bible. When you read your Bible, you'll see how Jesus did it. And when you see how Jesus did it, and you ask God for wisdom in 2022, how to apply what Jesus did 2,000 years ago in 2022, He gives you wisdom to do something that uh, He will guide you with in 2022. Does it make sense? So He says what? He says, I'll show you how. You have to learn to trust and lean on the, 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 the relationship with the Holy Spirit in you. John 14 verse 26, the Bible says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. So the Helper, you're not alone. That's why people isolate themselves. Social media pulls them into a, a place of, 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 of isolation in their minds, They're in their bedrooms or in their houses. I mean, I was reading an article recently to say this young millennial generation spends almost 70% of their time indoors. They don't even have natural sunlight shining on their faces because they're in, inside generation. They sit and play games or they sit inside of a room or they sit inside of a house most of the time. Your homework this week is to go walk in the sunshine down a road next to the beach. Can you do that? Amen. Get out in the sunshine. Amen. Get out in the open and leave your phone behind. Amen. It's not allowed to go with you. This is whom the Father will send in my name. So the Holy Spirit's job, He comes in the name of Jesus. And he says, he will teach you all things. So he's the great physician. He's the great engineer. He's the great teacher. He's the great doctor. He's the great uh, pastor. He's the great professor. He's everything. He's not, he, Google is a, is a form of worldly knowledge, but the Holy Spirit is the teacher of heaven's wisdom. Amen. So you have to learn to, to goddle, not Google. Goddle. You have to goddle every day. What is that? That's your, read your Bible. Not Google every day. Because when you Google, it messes you up. Then people tell me, Pastor, I read this on Google. I said, who wrote the thing on Google? Some guy with a messed up doctrine. I don't read everything on Google as thus saith the Lord. A lot of the 90% of that stuff's messed up. Amen. And I say this to us, not because I'm anti anything like that. I'm saying, but what does the word of God say? Not what, what does Google say. Amen. If, if what Google says measures up to the word of God, then believe it. But if it doesn't, discard it. Amen. So he says, what? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. And last thing, he says, what? Learn to walk and trust in the grace of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Sometimes we're trying to force God's grace. We're trying to force uh, God to give us a solution. But the Bible says you have to learn to walk in the unforced rhythms. That means we just walk every day and we trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. It's the unforced rhythms of grace. Can you say amen this morning? I want you to stand on your feet with me all over this place. They're in Cape Town North. Come on, there's such a great presence of God all over this place this morning. This is what the Bible says. 
Bible says you'll never test you beyond what you cannot handle. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely, lightly. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. It says we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. 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 One more time. No, no. Faith comes by hearing. But God will be faithful to you. One more time. But God will be faithful to you. One more time. But God will be faithful to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But God will be faithful to you. But God will be faithful to you. But God will be faithful to you. Say with me this morning. Say, God will be faithful to me. Say, God, you are faithful to me. Listen to what the Bible says. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For long, with every trial, God has provided you with a way of escape so that it will bring you out of it victoriously. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.